another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. You there? When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power. Here's our key verse. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I'll read out that final verse one more time. So that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. You know, one of the most amazing and kind of horrible things about being a preacher is the number of times God says no to my amazing sermon. When I get to heaven, if there's going to be anything I'd like to talk to God about, it's why I would so often in my journey as a preacher spend hours and hours. You need to know something about me, even though I try to do my very best to put on some kind of cool exterior in my heart, I'm just a giant nerd. I don't know anything about sport. I don't know anything about music. I don't know anything about celebrities. I know very little about media. I've just spent my entire adult life studying the Bible, trying to be a pastor. I'm a nerd with a cool rapping, hopefully. And the older I get, the harder the cool rapping is becoming because there are just jumps in fashion that I'm getting too old to make. I will spend hours on my sermons. I'm talking hours. I mean, I write them literally months in advance. I've got a whole series I've written called The Challenge of Normal. We're not even gonna get to it until next year. I'm a nerd. I study, I prepare, I spend hours. I'm up in the early hours of the morning. I'm studying this book. I don't even read magazines. I'm just one giant nerd. And I'll get these messages and I get them to a point where I think this is awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop it like it's hot. I mean, you better look out, baby, because this pastor is packing. And this sermon. It's gonna rock your world. I'm like, man, we're gonna do it. This thing's gonna be amazing. And then right then at the 11th hour. With all of my thought, all of my preparation, all of my impressive knowledge that's gonna blow people away, the Holy Spirit will just begin to speak to me with that voice that the Bible describes steers you when you take a step in the wrong direction. By the way, Christians, listen up, keep moving, and God will direct you back onto the path. Anybody sitting there in their bedroom praying for hours and days and weeks and months and hoping that one day you're gonna know the will of God will never find it. God wants somebody doing something, moving forward, and then He will direct you. The steps of a good man are directed by the Lord. Take a step and God can direct it. There's the key, is in the interpretation. And God will speak to me at the 11th hour with that voice that brings you back on track and He'll say, Cameron, not that one. I'm like, God, it's really good. And the thing about preaching is at the end of the day, we're all insecure, right? 
So when I stand up here, I want what I've got to not only be anointed, bring God into people's lives, I want people to think I'm awesome. I mean, who doesn't? Let's be honest. And he'll say, hang, hey Cameron, not that one. Here's your verse. One simple thought. I want you to preach that. And if any preacher is honest with you, they'd say the greatest challenge in being a preacher is when God does that. Because you have to trust so much more in Him and not in your own thought, in your own wisdom, in your own knowledge, in your own eloquence, in your own superior wisdom, but trust that God in His amazing power can take someone who is obedient to Him and a simple thought out of His Word and do something that I've seen so many times, but every time I see it, I marvel at it, that God can take the simple truth of the Gospel and of His Word, and when an obedient messenger proclaims it, it's like something connects with a person, even though it's simple, even though you've heard it before, it's like, bam, lights go on, faith gets ignited, people get impacted, and the glory goes back to God. And as I read this passage of Scripture recently, it struck me that the Apostle Paul is simply saying, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with eloquence. I didn't come to you with like a fanciful sermon with a bag of tricks up my sleeve. I came to you not with, you know, not with superior wisdom that you're going to go, oh, wow, he knows more than the Bible. He says, I came to you with a simple message. And what any preacher feels like when they've got to trust in God and not in their own might with weakness, fear, and in much trembling. Someone said to me once, do you get nervous when you preach? I said, I get nervous when I don't get nervous when I preach. Because if it's not nervous that you're resting on God, then man, you're stuck. Because if it's all you, then it's pretty small. But if it's all God, then it's pretty mighty. And the Apostle Paul's preaching and he's saying, man, what I did, I put all of my own impressive stuff away and I came to you and what I preached to you was Christ and Him crucified, the power of God, that your faith might not rest in man's wisdom, but in God's power. Everybody in this room needs to know that your faith is resting in something. You're building it. It's on a foundation. The word rest literally means to settle, to be built. It's like the foundation, what you're building it on. And all of us have faith. We need faith. You need faith to get up in the morning. You need faith to live this life. Even George Michael said you've got to have faith. But what your faith is resting on is going to determine everything about whether that faith is helpful to you, to me, or not. Because when our faith is not resting on God's power, but resting on something else, then my friends, the foundation of that faith is not enough for that faith to endure. Put it another way, if men can contrive it, then men can undermine it. If people can think of it, then somebody else, another person can destroy it. But if your faith is centered on Jesus, on the cross, on His crucifixion, His resurrection, on the might and the power of God and on the simple message of our Lord and Saviour. That's a simple word. Man was created by God, placed in a garden. We chose to sin. 
With sin came death. Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden. Death, disease, famine, suffering, pimples, Shortland Street, every evil thing. Somebody say amen. amen. Taxation came into this world as a result of sin. Then God looked down and saw us in our sinful state and, we, and realizing that there was nothing we could ever do to bridge the gap between us and God because God is not good, God is perfect. Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as I am perfect. God seeing that there was a gap between even the greatest you know, achievement of goodness on behalf of humanity compared with the perfection of God sent His own Son to die on a cross for my sin and for yours. Jesus went down to the grave, three days later rose from the grave, victorious over sin and death. The grave couldn't hold Him because there was no sin in Him. Therefore, because there was no sin in Him, death had no sentence, no grip, no legal right to Him. Jesus rose victorious from the grave and is seated at the right hand of God, victorious forevermore. And now the Bible says He sits there waiting for us to be made perfect. We've already been made righteous, but He waits for us to be made perfect. And one day we will be as Jesus is in eternity. This temporal body of sin and limitation will be put aside and the imperfect will be clothed with the perfect, the perishable with the imperishable and death will be swallowed up in victory and we will proclaim, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Death is swallowed up in victory because of our Jesus. And when we build our faith on the simplicity of Jesus, on the power of God, then our life is built on a solid foundation. You know, it's easy if our lives are not coming back all the time to the power of God. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in verse 4 of this passage that we're reading from tonight. He says, listen, my preaching to you was not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power. In other words, I want God to be in what I'm saying. I don't want to just speak man's words. I want a spirit of illumination, a spirit of revelation. Have you ever read the Bible and when you've read it, something on the page just jumped up and hit you in the face like it was just God speaking straight to you? Can you give me a wave? That's the power of God. Ever had a moment in worship when you knew that God was just tangibly present? Come on, you ever known that? That's the power of God. Ever had a season in your life when you knew that God was calling to you, wanting you to do something, to obey Him, to respond to Him? Put your hand up. That's the power of God. And he's saying, man, when you build your Christian journey, you build it on the Word of God, you build it on worship, you build it on a life of obedience, and you don't build it on just fads of teaching or impressive words that people have for you. We must build our lives, church, for the young believers that are in our church, for the young people that are in our church. We need to build our lives on the Word of God. And people that build their lives on the Word of God, you know what? Their faith rests in nothing and something that no person can ever undermine it. No challenge could ever destroy it. I read a story to my kids all the time about the two builders, and Will loves it. You know, and I wish I could remember the rhyme for you, but you know, one builds a house that's strong and true, 
and you know, we, we need to do like you and build a house that's strong and true. Anyway, I read him the story of the two builders and he makes me read it to him over and over and over again because he pretty much just hangs out with wood and nails in the garage at least for three hours a week, you know. And so I read him the story of the two builders and one of them builds their life upon sand and when the storms come, the whole house gets knocked down. The other guy builds his house upon the rock and it took a little bit longer, but it's built on a solid foundation and one storm destroys one house and the other house stands strong in the middle of it. In other words, just because somebody says something to you that looks good, sounds good, feels good and tastes good, it doesn't mean it is good. You don't see how impacting or how truthful something is until it endures the test of trial. And he's saying, man, I don't want your faith resting. I don't want you building your house on sand. I don't want you building your house just on what you hear on the latest podcast. I don't want you building your house just on what you hear in a university lecture. I want you building your house, your life on the power of God. And church, as we're kind of bridging the gap between our hero series and faithcation, our series for October, is all about the fact that as believers, we either choose to be in faith or we drift onto a holiday from faith. And we need to come back all the time to living our lives filled with the power of God, with the presence of God alive in God. We need to build a life that is founded on God's power at work within our lives. You know, I, I believe so much is often very, very true that people can build their lives on honestly stuff that at the end of the day can be knocked over, can be undermined. And what God's looking for is a generation that are gonna rest and anchor and build their lives on the, the gospel and the power of God at work within our lives. I couldn't tell you how many times I've had these profound sermons and then God's brought me all the way back and really what I end up doing is preaching a verse and preaching the gospel. I mean, honestly, if you sit in a row, sometimes, sometimes I honestly think, but God, I have said this gospel and shared one verse to apply this thing so many hundreds of times and the Lord will keep saying to me, bring it back to that. And it's not because I'm an evangelist. It's because God is wanting us to live our lives on the foundation of His power. We've got to build our lives upon the power of God. It's the only solid foundation. It's the foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, Christ, the power of God. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. It is the power of God, is the gospel of what Jesus built. And when in our lives, we are either building our lives on man's wisdom or on God's power. See, if you're building your life on man's wisdom, you somehow you're brought into a set of teaching or a way of being, you know, thinking about life or a paradigm for life that is based on the human way of thinking, a natural order to things. And you can tell when man's thinking versus God's power is at work within your life because if it's man's Wisdom, it's progressive. And if it's God's power, it's completed. Wow. See, this is the thing in, in man's wisdom, it's about us getting a little bit better. And if we got a little bit better, then we qualify for a little bit more. And if we just got a little bit more improved, 
then somehow, and we're progressive, and it's slow, and it's incremental. And yes, I believe you're building sure foundation to sure foundation, but I do not believe that you're less worthy of God's favour, less worthy of God's love, less qualified to be used by God just because you don't know stuff or you're, you're new into the kingdom because it's not the Christian journey. is not about a progressive life. It's about a life that has already been completed. Jesus has already done it. We are the perfection of God. We've been saved. We've been redeemed and freed already. And these are big Christian words to say Jesus has finished it. And now we're walking towards He's what He's already done. And man, that takes faith. But faith unlocks for us the power of God. And man's wisdom makes you think that you need to do it, but you're not sure whether you can. But if it's completed already, well, now it's different because it's already done and I'm just living out what has already been made possible. So it's not a question of whether I can do it. It's just a question of journeying towards it. And if we want to live according to the power of God, then we're going to choose not to live on man's wisdom, but on God's power. If it's men's wisdom, then it's about work. Working for. And if it's about God's power, it's about resting in. See, man's wisdom was all about, you know, come on, you could earn it, you could get there, you could, you know, one day, you know, come on. But God's power is about resting in who Jesus is. I don't have to, I don't have to suck it up. I just have to let it work. In the middle of your darkest trials, just to know that Jesus has already overcome it. Come on, this is about a message that lays a foundation, not just for good days, but for bad ones. Because you've got to rest your faith on the power of God. And if our faith rests on the power of God, then it doesn't matter what we're going through. You know, it's not about me just kind of looking more earnest in a prayer meeting. Some Christians look like they need to spend half an hour in a toilet with a laxative. I've seen that look before. Come on, man. The other one's like, it's, I need a miracle. And you were able. Man's wisdom, God's power. Somebody here needs to just take a chill pill and know that God's already done it. Come on. Number three, if it's men's wisdom then it limits some. If it's God's power, then it empowers all. So men's wisdom always sets up hierarchies and makes some a chosen few and others reduces just down to a limited life. Stations, classes, calibers, educated, uneducated, wealthy, poor. But Christianity, the power of God, says that there is neither slave nor free, male nor female, Jew nor Greek, no colors, no races, but all are one, all are equal, all are the same in the Spirit of God. And man, nobody's more qualified, nobody's more able, no one's less than, we're all the same in Jesus, come on. 
And if we are the same in Jesus, then we live our lives with a sense of man. If they can do that, anything you've seen anyone else do, you can be inspired that it can be your testimony as well. That we can do something amazing for God. And God wants us living out of His power. Say amen. amen. I love this thought. See, men's wisdom, the problem with men's wisdom is that it informs, but it doesn't illuminate. This is a challenge, man. I'm trying to give you an appetite for God's power tonight. Because sometimes, you know, you hear a lot of stuff. You sit in a lecture. You know, you even hear somebody talk. It's like, you know, just a whacked out, whatever, Christian sometimes. Or maybe it's just something, an environment that you're in, and you hear all this information. And you're like, wow, yes, wow, he's right, he's right, they're right, they're Hang on a minute. Real power of God working in your life, it doesn't inform, it illuminates. The question between whether it's man's wisdom or God's power is who gets bigger? See, the reason why God brings a preacher back and says, hang on a minute, that would make people go wow about you, but I don't want you to preach it. And I'm I'm not aiming to dumb down sermons, don't hear me wrong, but what I'm saying is the reason why there have been moments when God's been like, Cameron, strip out that because it's a lot of you, is because man's wisdom, it informs people and attracts you to the person, but God's power illuminates and attracts you to God. And man, suddenly things begin to cross. My, my greatest love in preaching is when you sit under a preacher and then you're like, wow, this message is filling me with faith. It's amazing. But then you're also like, and, and wow, I'm getting this thought and I'm getting that thought and God's speaking to me and I know I've got to do this in my life and something's coming alive. The reason why I love that is it goes beyond even the message that the guy wrote and it unlocks the spirit of revelation and illumination, and suddenly we go from informed to awakened. And the goal of the Word of God coming to our lives is that it awakens us to the reality of Jesus, to the power of His Word, to a life lived in obedience to God. Boy, this is gonna help somebody, I reckon. See, men's wisdom, the problem with it is that it releases knowledge, but not potential. Just because our heads know more, it doesn't mean our lives are capable of more. I'm not anti-intellectual, but I am anti-measuring your capacity because of what you know. There's a balance. Come on, are you with me tonight? There's a balance because if we're not careful, we're thinking about how much we know and then determining what we can do. It doesn't work like that with God. Because somebody who's willing to be obedient has got more potential than somebody who knows a lot. David, David, all he knew was a sling. Didn't know armour, didn't know swords, didn't know military strategy. But what he knew was that God was alive. God was for him and not against him. And if this giant called Goliath wasn't on God's team, then the giant's coming down because greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. And all the knowledge of the world doesn't fill you with a greater potential. 
See, God's power says, think about what you were like when God called you. Not many of you were noble. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you came from noble families. You didn't have education. You didn't have to, I'm all for it. But what I'm saying is it didn't mark you for God's call, but God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the base things to confound the noble, the things that are not to bring to nothing, the things that are. God loves messing with the hierarchy of society. He loves messing. He loves taking people from the edges and putting them at the center so that all the glory goes not to the person, not to where they came from, but to the power of God and His ability to work in our lives. Somebody in this room needs to know you're not limited like you think you are. You're not capped like you may believe. God can do anything He wants through your life. If He put a dream within you, it's because He plans to outwork it. If He's spoken into your heart, He's faithful to perform it. What He started, He always finished. Come on, somebody get excited in this place tonight. I'm telling you the power of God at work within your life can make you more than an overcomer, more than a conqueror. You can conquer any adversity, rise above every setback, bring down every mountain. You can do something amazing for Jesus. Impact a school, rescue a nation, eliminate poverty, come up with an innovation, fund the kingdom, build a great family. Come on, your knowledge might be dysfunction, but God's power is function. You might have come from abuse, but God leads you to healing. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your past doesn't disqualify your future. Our God is able. Oh man, I'm excited tonight. Number three, men's wisdom empowers circumstances and not miracles. The problem with man's wisdom is that it's focused is entirely on circumstances. I've seen this before. That's the problem, isn't it? I've seen this before. I've seen this before. Our cat got really old, the previous cat, not Boy the cat, the one that Will got to name, but the previous cat, whose name was Mansfield. Out of love for the massive Asian population in our church, we won't tell you how that name came about, but it's a good story. I'll be honest with you and say I never really liked Mansfield. Jillian loved Mansfield. When Mansfield got really old and she wasn't doing so well, I took her to the vet, the vet said, you know, not, not doing so good, might not make it, you know, it's kind of spiraling downhill. And I came back home and I said, you know, Lara, you know, Will, you know, the cat's not doing so good, sad on the outside, party on the inside. <laughs> it might have to make a one-way trip to the vet, sad on the outside, party on the inside. Lara says, to me, Lara says to me, but daddy, we can, you know, we can just get the cat, you know, get the doctor to fix it. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh no, Lara, you know, the, the, I've already talked to the, the vet and the vet, you know, this and she goes, well, you, daddy, we should pray for it. Now I realize I'm heading in a really bad direction. <laughs> She's a pastor's kid, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, Lara, I don't, I don't know about that. And she goes, but daddy, 
Anything's, no, nothing's too hard for the Lord. And I'm like, oh, dear God in heaven, how do I explain this one? But Jesus said, you've got to become like a kid. And sometimes the problem with man's wisdom is that knowledge, knowledge and wisdom and understanding and all of the stuff that fills our heads, all it does is empower the circumstance. Bring it right back. Jesus conquered the grave. He conquered the grave. Hello? A global financial crisis is nothing compared to death. That's that problem you're trying to overcome is nothing compared to the grave. Jesus was dead and came back to life. And compared to that, your circumstances are small in comparison. That debt you can't pay, that challenge you're trying to get out of, that strife in your family, sickness in your body, whatever's going wrong in your world. See, the problem with man's wisdom is it makes circumstances bigger, but God wants to make His potential the center of your gaze. It's time to stop empowering the circumstance and start releasing the miracle. Come on, our God is able. The death is defeated. The grave is empty. God is alive. We can do something amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. How about you? Three minutes, let's go. Let me talk to you about God's power. See, the thing about God's power is that it defies reason. That's why I hate that moment when God says, chuck out that sermon and go with this one, because I'm like, God, what about all my reason? He's like, how about my power? But this is the problem, is that, you know, when you and I choose God's power, not the problem, this is the potential. When we choose God's power, we defy reason, and but we release His power to work within our lives. One day a blind man is calling out to Jesus, and Jesus calls him, not blind Bartimaeus, but another one. And the man comes to Jesus, stands in front of him, and Jesus says, what do you want? He says, I want to see. And Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? The man said, yes, Lord. And Jesus said, then become what you believe. Become what you believe. And the man's eyes were opened and he began to see. And God's power is about asking ourselves a question. Is it true? Is it true? That you're blind or is it true that God can make you see? Is it true we're going to live our lives out of the limits of what's in front of us or out of the potential that God's put on the inside of us? It's about saying no to reason and yes to revelation. We must take hold of God's power. Number two, the band can come and join me. God's power knows no limits. There's no limits to the power of God. No cap to its potential. Nothing that the power of God cannot do. The grave is empty. Therefore, if the grave is empty, everything else is small in comparison. We can overcome that challenge. We can conquer that adversity. We can be victorious in every battle. No God's deliverance out of every trial. No temptation has overtaken you, the Scripture says, except that which is common to men and God is faithful and will make a way through it 
so that you will be able to stand up under it. In other words, anything that you're going through, you're going to make it through. Come on. You're going to make it through it. Winky Pratney taught me when I was a young and as a preacher, he said, John, the worst thing they can do is kill you. The worst thing they can do is kill you. I'm like, what do you mean? And it's like, well, if that's the worst they can do when you're going to heaven, then why would you live your life concerned about anything? God's power knows no limits. He conquered the grave. He is victorious. All we're doing is waiting for the moment for that victory to kick in. You can spiral down, go through all kinds of rubbish. And then God says, if you go through something and stuff gets lost to you, I can restore back what the locust has stolen. No trouble, no trouble for God. Come on. When my kids were young, you know, they built up these great towers with Tonka, with a Duplo. You remember Duplo? Like Lego, but for small kids. My daughter Lara would love to just construct it as high as she possibly could. She's like four, maybe five years old. Her brother is maybe two or three years old. He's two and a half years younger. So she would build up these massive structures. She had names for them. It was the doll's house. It was this thing, you know, it was whatever. I look at it, it's basically just a pile of blocks. And then Will would come along. And then people know five-year-old girls are all about construction, but two-year-old boys are all about destruction. So she would build it he felt it was his God-given responsibility to break it. So he'd break it down and she'd be like, hang on a minute, you know, Will. And she'd be like crying and everything was going to custard and there's tears and, you know, all sorts of dramas. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. I could rebuild that in just one moment. And often for you and I, that's how we're looking at our lives. And we're thinking, hang on a minute, someone just knocked over my duplo. Setbacks, challenges, adversity. But God's power says, hang on a minute. He can raise from death to life, resurrect anything, bring it back to you. If the locusts took it, God can restore it. Come on, I can bring you blessing. I can bring you favour. I can pour out my hand upon you. You will never be defeated. You will never know lack. You will never live in sorrow. You will walk in blessing, crown the year with abundance. Know God's favour. God is for you, not against you. Somebody give Him some praise in this room tonight. We need our lives built on the power of God. Oh, final three, God's always able, has no conditions, and God's power changes everything. Finished, it is done. I reckon God is wanting to fill our lives with His power tonight, church. Stand to your feet, every person in this room. We need to become a people not limited by man's wisdom not resting our lives upon something that can easily be destroyed, hindered, taken, stolen or robbed. We need to build our lives on Christ, the power of God, the Gospel, the saving power of Jesus. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.